0: Across the Resonate Regional Radio Network
1: It's my time it's my life I hope you will come along
2: This is Rural Queensland Today with Ben Dobbin
3: Good morning and welcome to Rural Queensland Today Friday morning, the 15th of July A very good morning to everybody uh, And Blackall races this weekend How good is that going? A lot's going on up at the Cloncurry as well with the Stockman Challenge at the moment as well. We just love it. There's so much going on. In Queensland as we speak. Very good morning to you. Susan McDonald joins us this morning. We're going to catch up with Peyton Fitzsimons as well. So much going on in this landscape on Rural Queensland today. 4SB Kingaroy, good morning. 4ZR Roma, 4VL Charleville, 4HI and Emerald, 4LM Mount Isa, 4LG Longreach, 4GC Charters Towers and the Hot Country Network. Good morning to you all. I hope you're well. A very good morning to everybody across Rural Queensland today. It's a big show for you. It's Rural Queensland today. You're with Ben Dobbin and this is Rural Queensland today on the Resonate Broadcast Network. Welcome back to Rural Queensland today on the Resonate Broadcast Network. Senator Susan MacDonald joining us this morning. Senator, good
2: morning. How are you? Ben, I'm very well, but, you know, winter's still hanging around. It's a <laughs> <the> shocking <laughs> thing on the coast,
3: isn't <laughs> well, it? It's, it's been very, very cold. There's no two ways about it. Um, let's start with the biggest issue that's pressing at the moment, food security and uh, foot and mouth disease. I'm going to start with foot and mouth disease. You've been very strong this week. Um, with calls to stop all planes from Indonesia and Bali just for a month, for a short time, to try and get our biosecurity intact. Are they the only steps? Do you think it, it, it's that serious that if we don't do it, um, we could be in for a huge, huge crisis?
2: Ben, when mouth got into the UK in 2001, they ended up destroying over 6 million head of cattle and sheep it drove up food prices uh, in the shops for red meat, pork, for dairy, uh, and and the mental health impacts on farmers having to destroy animals in quarantine zones that may not have been sick. Uh, it, it was shocking. And... Uh, You know, that that could potentially be the impact that we're looking at uh, in Australia. Now, as far as what to do, the point I'm trying to make is that this is incredibly serious, incredibly serious. And I think that the new government um, is trying their best, but it is nearly two weeks since foot and mouth was first discovered in Bali. We still have planes landing that, there's no foot bars, there's no kind of physical controls. Uh, the flyer that's been handed out on the plains isn't suitable to be handing to a 25-year-old group of young people who've been over there surfing and having a cultural experience. It talks about have you been on a farm, you know? It's yeah. different barley. Bali. There's animals walking in the street, they're very quiet, you walk through their dung, there's pigs being grown on little farms next to hotel resorts you know, the chance of you having contact with an infected uh, animal is much higher there than if you went to other countries. So, you know, the point I'm trying to make is uh, we can do this. We are a smart country. We are able to, to vaccinate and do things on our own shores, but we want to keep it offshore. We want to keep it uh, in Bali, in Indonesia, and we want to help that country with their vaccination plans. But they don't have any uh, uh, livestock tracking capability. We would have to go back to what we used to do, you know, in the 70s and 80s and before, you know, bang tailing and, and tail tags and because they don't have an MLIS system. So, you know, I, I. I'm not trying to make this political. People have accused me of trying to be political. I'm not. I'm trying to support the new agricultural minister in putting a fire under his feet to say there is no step you can take that is too much at this point. Because the impact would be horrific on animals, on people, on consumers, on our world trade markets. And whatever price we spend on keeping foot and mouth out of Australia, will look cheap in the months and years ahead.
3: Yeah, it's that serious, isn't it? And that's the and that's the the, the scenario. So Murray Watt, obviously, is over there at the moment, the agricultural minister, trying to get some sort of clarity on the whole situation. Is it too little, too late? Is it two that, he, that he, he most likely shouldn't have done? He should have been there well and truly before this week. And is the government – they say there's an 18% chance at the moment to get foot of mouth, so it's not deemed high risk. We need to be alerted. But why is there no foot baths? Why is there no real demand to try and get this sorted sooner rather than later? Everybody in the agricultural sector is – is up in arms, but it doesn't have seemed to hit mainstream media for the moment and the seriousness of it just hasn't been felt uh, in the metropolitan areas. Is that the reason why we're not seeing action being taken so quickly?
2: I think you've you've hit the nail on the head that the uh, risk assessment is set at at 18%. uh, I I find it hard to live with... um, any any percent at this point, just given that the consequences are so big. You know, when we were going through COVID, we shut down the whole nation with you know sixty five cases in the land. You know, at the very beginning, we were we were so sensitive to to what um, COVID getting into the country and spreading would look like. Foot and mouse, very happily is not yet in Australia, but we are now two weeks, nearly two weeks into having it in a near neighbour, with a very porous border. You know, very open systems for uh, humans travelling back um, with with potential food. Uh, you know, uncooked meats in their luggage, with uh, dirty shoes, dirty bottoms of their suitcases, and I don't think we can be too alarmed. Because the consequence of it getting here is so bad. And I, I feel like that the um, government departments, you know, with all good intent, uh, are just walking around in circles. Nobody had seen the flyer. I couldn't find anybody who had actually seen the flyer who was an industry leader until more than a week after it had started. And when I saw the flyer, I said, that's not. That's not going to talk to to a, a tourist, and we're not talking about a farm visitor. So that's, that's very, I'm getting into the weeds, I'm getting very detailed, but I'm very concerned that we are not seeing a sense of urgency on really practical ground games. You know, don't worry about what, what the big issue is. What is it on the ground that we're ensuring that every single person who comes back from Bali understands their own risk? and is given the ability to, to, you know, do at least the basic things. Uh, the MLA has got uh, technology which would allow people wearing thongs to walk across a, a foot bath. You know, there is stuff out there. I'm, you know, I'm surprised that that as a nation whose biosecurity uh, is the, one of our most important uh, things that we talk about, yeah. and yet we weren't prepared and here we are two weeks into an outbreak in a near neighbour, and we're still not doing the work. Susan
3: McDonald joins us this morning. We're going to take a break, come back with more. Welcome back to Rural Queensland today. Susan McDonald this morning. This is Rural Queensland today. The impact is just far greater than what I think. Should people be getting their own biosecurity programs for their properties?
2: Yes, so certainly. What can we do? Because I don't want people to be panicking and thinking that they you know, it's all a disaster. It's not. It's not. We will. We are a smart country. We'll get onto this. We'll figure it out sooner rather than later. I hope. But in your own, uh, on your own properties, in your own regions, with your own council, you can be picking up your biosecurity plans, your farm plans, and station plans, and dusting it off and saying, "What does that look like? Is that best practice? Go back to AgForce. Go back to, you know, whatever group you're a part of, and ask them. You know, what's your latest advice? What else could we be doing and thinking about? So that uh, we are prepared, uh, and then those programs that we have been working on—you know, shooting feral pigs, managing pests—we uh, need to be on top of uh, because you know whether it's whether it's soon or whether it's later, we will have an incursion of lumpy skin disease. That is that seems to be the most likely because of uh, it's airborne. But we need to be—you know—continue to press government have we done everything we can? And I think that there are still gaps in what we could be doing here in Australia just to maintain the security of our, our agricultural industry. Can we talk about food security? Foot and mouth, one thing, food
3: security and protecting our food rather than exporting a lot of it. Are we are we Have we got it all wrong in the sense that we're not looking up our own? There's certainly a shortage of jobs at the moment, and, you know, like workers for jobs. We can't get enough workers. Um Th- that's just one one side of the issue. But can we in any way try and shore up our food bank to make sure that we're safe first? It seems to me that that seems to be second at the moment in everybody's mindset.
2: Uh, ben, I'm not worried about domestic food supply at this point. I think that this is more a um, an issue of Australia exporting food, uh, particularly into our near neighbours. So... Australia and, and the world has just enjoyed 70 years uh, of peace, but broadly, you know, localised um, uh, interactions, but we have not had global wars or, or regional wars that we've had in the past. It's the longest peaceful period, I think, in human habitation, you know, in the world. And so, we know that we now have countries flexing their muscles. We have, uh, you know, all sorts of regional challenges, and uh, food security is something that wars are fought over. We have we discovered during COVID that we had supply chain issues. We import all of our potash into Australia, despite having very good potash reserves in Australia. We we import a huge amount of phosphate into Australia despite having very good reserves in Australia. So, you know, I'm trying to think about how do we secure supply chains so that Australian farms and graziers can continue to grow Uh, great healthy food and fibre for Australia first but then have the capacity to export significant amounts of food so that we can at least keep our region stable when it comes to food supply Uh, because when we are relying on other countries and other supply chains to import critical resources and reserves like potash and like phosphate uh, then we're exposed. So uh, I'm trying to get those two uh, elements onto the critical minerals list uh, for Australia so that we're expediting mining and uh, and the processing of those because they're the things that I think we can be doing as a nation to be thinking about what's it look like over the horizon You know, we're we're producing lots of food and fibre now, but what is the challenges that would mean, that would threaten us doing that in the future? And that's the kind of preparation that I think means that we don't have a food security problem in this country.
3: Yeah. uh, It's um, it's one that everybody's talking about a lot and one that, Obviously, a lot of people are concerned about Mount Isa to
2: Townsville. Let's talk about that. Important. Yeah, it is because, uh, Ben, further to that, during the last government, when David Littleproud was the Minister for Northern Australia and I was the special envoy, we did a huge amount of work on uh, regional planning and master planning for the identified areas in Northern Australia where we needed to be really focusing to uh, achieve the potential of those regions uh, and to do it for the future good of Australia, to increase uh, royalties and tax income, bring more population and more services into our regional communities in the north. Now, one of the regions that was identified as uh, most prospective and important, so not saying that any of the other places aren't important, but these were ones that were identified as if we're seriously going to make a difference in northern Australia, that we have to start focusing on specific regions. So Mount Iser to Townsville connects the incredibly resource-rich uh, Northwest Minerals Province. It connects uh, beef cattle uh, regions uh, for the Northwest and across along the line, and it also connects the places that have been identified as the most potential for irrigated agriculture and dry land cropping. So we're already seeing uh, cotton at Julia Creek. Uh, we're seeing the work that Richmond's doing on their water plan. Uh, Hurendon has just received money from the state government for its uh, water bank, Um <coughs> excuse me, and um, Charters Towers has got money for big blocks so we've got agricultural projects along that line as well. Now if we're serious about this we have to start coordinating local government, state government and federal government legislation and planning. So at the LNP conference on the weekend I um, moved and had passed uh, planning for a special economic zone to run from Mount Isa across to Townsville. Uh, Now I'm looking at the state government and saying what is it that we need to do that would really start to get projects up, moving, people employed, uh, and, and taxes rolling, because projects take a long time to, to get off the ground, as you know. So one of them is that we need to look at double stacking the rail line between Mount Isa and Townsville. There's a couple of reasons. Global- is that achievable? <laughs> Absolutely achievable because there's only uh, a couple of bridges that would need to be uh, lifted closer to the townsville, uh, and currently the the, um, the axle loading on the lines is is underweight, so it, you know it would be possible to to increase the weight on the line. And then the second important thing is to do what we've done for Adani and other projects, which is uh, to remove the tariffs for new entrants onto that rail line so that we can start having new projects like the phosphate mines that are out there um, to, to bring them to market. Uh, it would reduce about $40 a tonne for freight, uh, and now those projects are more viable, they're good for Australia, They're good for agriculture and farming, and they're good for the tax and and spending money right across this country.
3: Yeah, I love it. I love it. It's really important. Um, You're in Cairns at the Cairns Show. How was that? And and what do the people think up there at the moment? Are they they all confident with how things are going or there is concern?
2: Uh, Look, the Cairns Show was just fantastic. I was fortunate enough to be there for some of the dairy judging and caught up with quite a few of the dairy farmers from the Tablelands. They are buoyant. Uh, and, you know, we talked a lot about the Dairy Code of Conduct a few years ago. We introduced it and they are telling me it's made the difference. They've got increased prices of production, increased cost of production, but the increased prices they're getting from processes is more than covering that. They're making money. They're able to reinvest in their farms and their animals and and they're, they're feeling buoyant and positive about the world. There's a bit more that needs to be done on the code, so I'll be pushing for that when, uh when Murray Watt gets a bit of headspace and he can think about it, but you know, for for that part of the world, um, they are they are pretty optimistic. Tourists are coming back to the region. Um, they've had a good season, and um, you know, I think everybody is enjoying the sun shining and making hay because you know we know that uh, the things aren't always fantastic. but, you know things come and go, but right now they're enjoying things.
3: Yeah, well said. Appreciate your time. Thanks so much for being with us this morning.
2: Great to talk to you as always,
3: Ben. Thank on you. you, Susan McDonald, Rural Queensland. Today we'll take a break. Be back with more. Welcome back to Rural Queensland today. Livestock National Livestock Manager for Ray White is Peyton Fitzsimons, and he joins us this morning. Fitz, good morning, mate. How are you? It's been cold couple of weeks, hasn't it?
0: Oh, cold as charity, my <laughs> dear friend. But before we start before we start and get involved in all that, I think we should touch on this very, very, very important subject. Right. I did see on social media through the week, Alpha, the Australian Livestock Property Agents Association, a bit of just a showcase a few of their previous champion auctioneers and the title was Where Are They Now? And lo and behold, who did I see front and centre? The great man, Mr. Ben Dobbin. Did you actually win that?
3: Yes, I did. Yes, I did. Uh, I haven't seen it, but I did do an interview for him at the start of the week. So uh, it's good to know, mate. It was on the – country. that's in the country life, is it? The Queensland country life? Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Mate, I do believe it is. I just yeah. thought that the quality of the auctioneers about today were probably a lot better than back in
3: those <laughs> days. Obviously, mate. It probably were, it probably were. But anyway, uh, you got livestock, you got losses. Fitz, um, let's talk this market. Uh, Roma, Roma, very strong considering. There's certainly been a downturn, but not to the levels that people thought. And and I don't want to get to the point where we're talking up. You know people panic selling and stuff like that because it's just not warranted. There is there is a real and, and, and I mean this I, I suppose a real um worry at the moment with the world, but there's no need to panic from a market perspective.
0: Yeah exactly right like I still remember clear as day two and a half to three years ago when uh when store steers cracked four dollars a kilo at the black horse like we just stood there we were gobsmacked. Uh, The market is a long way in front of that. Yes, it has got cheaper, but history will tell you it always gets cheaper this kind of year. And what we have done, we've had two huge summers. There's a lot of dry feed. There was a lot of dry feed about. We had a very, very mild autumn, and then whang, bang, we've had an absolute snap and cold winter now, and it has knocked the guts out of the country, the cattle, and, 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 and and the people that are running the cattle, like they've got a bit worried, and probably the market has still been rather good, so they're electing not to take those cattle and lambs through the winter months, so they're electing to get out of them before the winter, you know, really gets tough on them.
3: Yeah, and and, and it's been a hard winter, which is there, but you, you, you've you got to look at your system, and, and, and there's been good times for so long, you're going to have to come back in, aren't you? Like That's the thing, like people getting out, you, at some point you're going to have to come back in, you just can't sell for a profit and then hold because th- that's the beauty of this. It's cyclical, you've got to be in the whole time.
0: Yeah, exactly, and Ben, it's quite ironic. Like one of the biggest reasons that the job has just uh, has has softened and come off the boil is that the country was so wet that so many producers across the eastern seaboard couldn't get their winter crops in, couldn't get their oats in. They might only be running at thirty or forty percent. So it's ironic that the uh, the job has softened purely because we've had too much rain. If we were if we had a normal stand of oats, the market may not have even shifted.
3: Yeah, yeah, it's an interesting so- time. There is a shortage still overseas, isn't there?
0: Yeah, there is. And, 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 obviously, there's a lot of, uh, there's a lot of dynamics in the market that are out of our control at the moment. And one of those is, is obviously the big sell-off and the amount of cows that are getting, uh, getting manufactured in America. It's very dry over there. And if we could wish for one thing, uh, you know, that'd be, uh, that'd be pretty well towards the top of the list. So they could get rain in America. They just, you know, they're processing all their cows, uh, because of the season is just so bad over there. Much of what Australia did, you know, six and seven years ago. Uh, they're, follow, they're following suit so uh, they're grinding They're grinding beef over there they're not importing a lot of that they're using that all domestically so that's affecting our market here as well
3: yeah um, it, it, it obviously has been one of those things property prices have they stalled the, the, the big thing about I'm hearing and people saying oh it's getting quite a no not making any more country
0: no no that's a it's well said, and it's yeah, you, you A lot of people say, but it is—it's it's the fact they're not making any more country. The Ray White Rural Network—they are still exchanging a lot of country at the moment. Inquiry for that inquiry for the country—it has softened. we previously, um, you know, especially in South Southeast Queensland, where they might have had 60, uh, 60 inquiries for a parcel of country. Uh, those inquiries are probably back to about thirty or forty previously when they were doing a dozen inspections now they might be doing sort of six or seven and having just a few less readers to do uh, you know to bid on auction day uh the good like the you know, the good country the blue ribbon country uh it has not shifted whatsoever you know there's a lot of inquiry for that there's a lot of hunger for that but it it has just just come off a little boil a little bit off the back of interest rates and just a little bit of uncertainty in the job.
3: There's still the good country's going to sell. There's no two ways about it. Maybe just the lesser country at, at times. People wanting that top money. There's just a little bit of hesitance around whether or not to go or not.
0: Exactly, and and, and I think you know we can we can sit back and look now, and the last the last eight months in agriculture could we'll go down in the history books. You know, like it was a it was a pretty special time.
3: Yeah, and if you haven't caught up with it, and um, and you haven't and you haven't got the rest, when you look at. Different things going on through the neck down the south. We we talk about Queensland predominantly, but is the south as concerned with what's going on up here? I mean, we talk lumpy skin. I'm not going to get into foot and mouth. We just had uh, ten minutes with Senator Susan McDonough. I, we we've got to move through this, but. The, the southern markets and, and, and are they getting pressure down in the south?
0: Yeah, they certainly are, and probably uh, you know the further south they go, you know, the further south you go, is uh, you don't get as much as it as you do, you know, in in throughout Queensland. But yeah, look, it's definitely a, it's definitely a a big topic of conversation and a sensitive topic as well for for many producers. So yeah, there is there is that uncertainty out there uh, in 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 relation to a few of those biosecurity risks that we uh, that, that we're looking at. But uh, I just think I think the, the the seasonal conditions are implementing the market more than anything. Uh, being you know just being so cold, being so cold down there. But um, you know we've got a very very strong domestic market off, uh You know right to, you know right throughout Australia it's very strong. So you know everyone still has to eat, and protein is king. Yeah, you're dead right.
3: Appreciate your time, Fitz. Have a great weekend. We might talk to you next week, mate. Lots happening in the uh, landscape, and I'm pleased you saw me in the country life, mate. It's good to know. You never won one of them, eh? What uh, a shame, mate. What a shame. Shed, it. A shame. Shed it to you, mate. Yeah, Shed it to you. good on you. See you later. Rural Queensland today on the Resonate Broadcast Network. You're with Ben Dobbin. It is Friday morning, the 15th of July. Queensland today on the Resonate Broadcast Network, Royal Australian College of General Practitioners, Vice President, Queensland Chair Dr. Bruce Willett joins us this morning as the Royal Australian College of General Practitioners, the RACGP, has once again <laughs> urged the Federal Government to use Medicare rebates for longer telehealth phone consults and a permanent fixture. Uh, now, Bruce, good morning. Thanks so much for being with us. Um, uh, there, there's no two ways about it. The, living in rural and remote areas, it it, it it does come as a disadvantage. I mean, but it, it can with telehealth um, probably rectify some of the ledger with people's help that they don't have to travel these distances and we can probably in some ways make it a little easier for people to actually get in contact with doctors when they are in rural and remote
1: areas. Yeah, look, um, the um, the telehealth – Uh, provisions were were introduced as part of the response to the pandemic, but they've been an extraordinary boon, particularly for um, rural and remote Australia and also for for the elderly population. Um, And the the loss of these longer telephone consultations, I think, really will disproportionately affect rural and remote Australia. Um, It... um, so there, there is still a, a ability to do telehealth, but um, there's no no um, telehealth item number um, telephone item number for over 20 minute consultation. So that that really is going to disaff- uh, um, adversely affect you know, rural and remote and, as I said, elderly Australia uh, people in, in Australia.
3: Yeah, um, I, I I look at it and I think well, the telehealth system is one of the great things, but how do we get it? The the constant question is how do we fix our health? That's the big thing on everything, and and it's a it's a something unpacked. All, all all GPs are overworked. There's just not enough of them on the ground regionally, um, and and even in Australia, and we need to actually give more support for them. We need to have more kids, and but it, this is a long burn, and people travelling in rural and regional and remote, or the elderly, they need to be able to get access as well. Now, the world's changed considerably in the last couple of years. There's no two ways about it. Um, And, you know, a consultation sometimes might take longer than others. But is there light at the end of the tunnel? Uh, And and I mean by that is are the government prepared to listen to the concerns?
1: Yeah, look, I'd I'd make two points here. Um, And the first is that, you know, it, certainly, the the aside from the decision itself, um, the timing of it seems to be particularly poor. As as we're seeing COVID numbers um, get back towards their their, yeah. their maximum again, um, we really need these um, these item numbers now to keep people safe. The second part of it is the the, the issue that you pointed to is that we we've seen now decades of underinvestment in general practice. Um, and it's really coming home to roost in in that we're seeing people not want to do general practice. So when I graduated, um, more than fifty percent of my graduating year wanted to be GPs. That's below fifteen percent now because people see that um, you know that that um, it's just difficult um, in general practice to to get by, um, and that's particularly of, uh, affecting rural and regional Australia and having a big impact. Um, so and I and I think what we need to convey to government. Is that the investment in general practice saves money, saves billions potentially um, in downstream costs and more expensive hospital care? So, um, Price Waterhouse Cooper has done a, a study that says that you know, with a reasonable investment in general practice, the federal government could save more than um, five point $5. six billion dollars with a B over the next five years. So, this isn't this isn't a spend; this is an investment.
3: When you talk about and. You talk about general practitioner down. Can, how do you get it up? H- how do you get it up? Like, how do you get that number up that people want to go in and be? Is it that? Is it that we we offer a better? Uh, and I don't want, God forbid, people don't shut me down, but we might we incentivize it a little bit more for for doctors to stay in that in that yeah. as a GP. Like from that that you know is is that the way forward?
1: Look, it's, it's definitely part of the solution that it needs uh, some incentivization. So if, if um, the Medicare rebates had been fully indexed from the time of introduction, they would be roughly twice what they are now. Um, And so, you know, with a halving of the, essentially almost a halving of the the rebates in in real terms, we're seeing people not either not choosing to do general practice, we're seeing practices close, and and that would be very familiar with your listeners because, um, you know, rural and regional Australia have been particularly affected by that, and we're seeing um, um, practices, you know, bulk billing, um, either abandoning bulk billing or certainly bulk billing less, um, in order to try and stay viable. So that's part of it. Um, the other part is is really um, allowing GPs to work to the full end of their their um, scope of practice. Uh, and, and 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 to be honest, you know, God forbid that the, the government should acknowledge. Um, some of the, the good work that GPs do because, you know, um, what I, one of the things I say to my um, young GPs is um, when you're going through a major public hospital wards and seeing all those people with serious illnesses, nearly all of those people will have come in, um, have seen their GP um, with regarding, you know, the, those illnesses as well. So we see everything. You see the lot and you check on everything. It, it
3: is a thankless, thankless job on many occasions and, and it's one. So – I, the government, and, and, and I'm talking about the Labor government here, have been very big for a long period of time claiming that, that they have always had, you know, the, the general public and everybody's, you know, back. But it seems to me that the longer this goes on, you know, the more and more, you know, we, we are seeing that they they at times it, it's just to tick a box. It's, it, there's a lot of box ticking going on at the moment.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And, and it, it's not quite a thankless job in, in the, um, uh, my patients, uh, our patients, are lovely to us uh, as GPs, and, and it's a real privilege to, to get to do the job I do, and, and um, to deal with my patients on a daily basis is it, something I love and adore about my job. Um, it would be nice to see the same recognition from from government to to the, the understanding of what we do as as the recognition that we get from our patients and. Um, um, one of the issues we've got is is that the people in the public service tend to be very young and have very limited exposure to um, GPs. Um, and so there's, there's a, a lack of recognitions for what we do at, at the government level. And it would be lovely to see that in, improved because uh, we know that um, the best performing health systems all around the world have a strong general practice. It really is the the one thing that you them all.
3: Yeah, well said. There's no doubt about it that rural and remote patients are being left behind. Um, we need to get a high-quality care for all Australians and that's what the RACGP firmly believe. Phone consultations must be available for all GP consultant links and types, valued at the same level as a face-to-face and video items and linked to a patient usual GP with the exception providers. It has to happen Uh, Bruce, great to chat. We're going to chat again, mate, because uh, I enjoyed that. um, And there's something that is said that we actually need to get it sorted. Thanks so much for being with us this morning.
1: Thank you so much for the opportunity to be on the show.
3: Good on you. Dr. Bruce Willett, uh, the Royal Australian College of General Practitioners, Vice President, Queensland Chair. Uh, There's some issues there. There's no two ways about it. The government need to stand up on this one. Rural Queensland today. Well, that's it from us here this morning at Rural Queensland Today. Have a great Friday. Best of is on tomorrow. We're back Monday from nine. This is Rural Queensland Today on the Resonate Broadcast Network. We'll see you later.